0: Welcome to the Hiker Trash Podcast. This is a project of Local Exposure Magazine. My name is Ronnie Pettit, and I'm your host. The Hiker Trash Project began with my curiosity about why people through hike the Appalachian Trail or any long trail. I wondered why they do it, what they gain from it, and how that experience might manifest itself in their life after the trail. I spent an entire year following, photographing, and interviewing through hikers on the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine and all the way back to Georgia. I put all that, those interviews and photographs into a 200-page coffee table book. And now we're going to continue the project as a podcast. So listen along as we track down some of the people we met along the way and interview new hikers and find out, did that experience change them or... Did it simply provide the context to reveal who they already are? You can find out more about Local Exposure Magazine on the internet at localexposuremagazine.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at local.exposure.magazine. The intro music for today's episode was provided by Scott Lowe. He's a Northeast Georgia-based singer-songwriter. You can find him on Instagram at Songs. (laughs) Okay, on today's episode, we have Jake Ahrens, uh, also known as Sidetrack. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing good. Good to talk to you, Ronnie. It's been a while. Yes, sir. It's been too long.
0: Let's start, you know, right off with your trail name. How'd you get the name Sidetrack?
1: So, I got that name in... Uh in twenty twenty one when I made my my first attempt at the trail, I'd gotten myself hurt in the first couple of days, and I was working for stay at a hostel a, above the clouds hostel in such as it's the first one of the first hostels on the trail right and we had a rainy night with like thirty six hikers in the house, which was like double capacity, so I was on laundry duty and I kept getting asked like where we were at with the laundry because it had to be done by the minute you know thirty six people's clothes and all the sheets in one washer and dryer is a lot. So you were doing laundry for I I kept, everyone? I, yeah, that was my job. Okay. You know? okay. and, and I just kept saying like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, how, hey, <laughs> Jake, how's the laundry going? Oh, sorry. I got sidetracked doing this or I got sidetracked doing that. Like the fifth time I said it, Nimrod, who's the guy that was working there at the time, just said, that's it. You're sidetracked. And I went... Oh no. And he said, you don't have to take it. I said, no, you don't understand. I have to take it. It's too accurate. So I've been sidetracked ever since.
0: Okay. Jake, tell me, uh, you know, the first time you attempted to hike the Appalachian trail was 2021. What, I mean, what was your original motivation? What made you think that was something that you should be doing to begin with?
1: Well, I uh, I was born with a neuromuscular disorder called cerebral palsy, which affects my legs and makes it, you know, kind of harder for me to walk than your average individual. And uh, is that
0: is is hold on? Is that a is that a, a like progressive disease? Does it get worse as you get older, or is it just it, is what it is?
1: It, so it doesn't the disease the the disease itself or the disorder itself doesn't get worse there can be like downstream effects. So like, you know, we, it's almost like we age a little quicker cause we've got some imbalances and things that are tight. So like, you know, if you, if you've got it real bad and the whole front of your body's tight and you're hunched over, you may have some lung problems when you're, you know, as you age that you wouldn't have as a result, but the tightness and the, in the, the disorder itself doesn't get worse. Think about it kind of like a traumatic brain injury is, is pretty much what it is. Um, But just that it happens, you know, before you're born, you know, right before you're born. Okay. So, So uh, you you know, I'm basically I'm not to walk and, you know, uh, decided that in gratitude for all the therapy I got that hiking the AT would be a really cool way to, you know, do a thing I'm not supposed to do.
0: (laughs) You mean uh, like physical therapy? Yeah, yeah. And you, you, I believe you said before, you already had some, like, outdoor camping, backpacking experience.
1: Yeah, I had, I had been in the Boy Scouts for a number of years. Um, so, a lot of, like, overnights, we didn't do a lot of backpacking. But I'd also been uh, to a summer camp and then worked on staff there, and they had done uh, some hiking trips. So, I had maybe, maybe a total of 200 miles of hiking under my belt at that time.
0: Yeah. So what ended your first attempt?
1: Essentially, my pack was way too heavy. Uh, I didn't really know any better. I was used to carrying 50, 60 pounds. So I thought, you know, 45 was reasonable. And I, I got to Amicalola on the first day really excited. So I got there at like 6, 30, 7 o'clock in the morning and just lit out for springer and uh got to springer at 11 and you know, didn't want to stop so i did 16 and a half miles to hawk mountain shelter on the first day on your first day with 45 pounds in my pack coming out of uh coming out of coastal florida um, i mean that's not like, a combination for success
0: so i mean you know you get to hawk mountain shelter are you like knees hurting ankles hurting or what you just
1: it was, uh, it was hip pain. So it's, it's the IT band. It gives a lot of people knee pain a lot of the time, but it also attaches at the hip and it was so tight. I just, the hip pain was horrible. And, and I, I didn't know anything about those parts of my body at the time. And so, you know, I thought maybe, you know, oh, I'm sore now, but you know, day three, you know, tomorrow it'll be better. And and you know, tomorrow, the you know, tomorrow came and it hurt. And then I thought, well, it's just, I'm sore from the second day. So third day, will be better. And, you know, third day I'm, you know, passing by Neil's gap and we, you know, we camped right past it and got up the fourth day and started ambling down the trail. And about two miles later, I was just crying because it hurt so bad. And I said, I can't, I'm not making it to Maine like this i turned around and my buddies told me they said oh you got to go to above the clouds hostel it's a great place i'll take care of you stay there a couple days hang out you you get better and get back on trail so that's how i ended up there in in 21 and you know got my trail name um i stayed there for 10 days
0: Okay. So that's why you were working there. You were kind of work work for stay.
1: Yeah. They, I, I told the guy lucky that owns the place. I said, you know, I stayed the one day and you know, I kind of had in mind that I was going to do this. So I'm like washing his dishes and doing all this stuff. And uh, you know, the second day I said, Hey, I'm happy to pay you, but I think I might need a little bit. And I know you don't normally do work for stay, but I'm worried that, you know, if I stay here as long as I need to, I won't have the money to finish by the time I leave and he's like, well, let's see if we can work something out. You know, I'll give you a couple of days. And then a couple of days turned into 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, he's like, you know, man, you gotta, you gotta handle on. And, you know, he, he <laughs> did right by me. He did, well, he did right by me. And he, you know, he, uh, he gave me the money to buy a, a different backpack that wasn't this big, heavy thing and helped me figure out my gear and, and all of this stuff. So, you know he, he really awesome. was a good friend of me and then and then hiking on up the trail um, i ended up quit at mile 200 at clemens dome um just because okay. the pain hadn't gone away and i couldn't take it anymore
0: uh let me ask you this uh, i've seen people with cerebral palsy that you know really struggle to walk uh or have a a very pronounced limp or affects their gait. What was yours like? Were you able to, were you, did you limp as you walked or hiked?
1: So, so my, my severity is not, not bad at all. Um, When I was a kid, it was a little bit more severe, but then I got all that intensive therapy. Um, I have had people comment and ask me if I'm okay, you know, that I limp a little bit. Uh, especially when I'm really tired. So if I'm, if I've been walking around like in a normal setting, right. And I've been walking around all day, I'll Mm kind of limp a little bit and I'll I'll favor the right leg over the left leg a little bit. Um, but it's not, it's not as pronounced as the majority of folks. and, And that's kind of why I, I feel like compelled in a sense to hike because I feel very fortunate you know, to be to be spared that, you know, a, an extra two or three seconds, 10 seconds w- without oxygen to my brain and I could be in a wheelchair. But but somehow I was lucky enough to be mostly spared. Um, but it does make things challenging and painful and my movement's not efficient. So I get tired more easily. Okay. Um, but in hiking circles, I could, I could really get away with it unnoticed because everybody limps. <laughs> I mean, everybody's <laughs> sore. Everybody's feet hurt. You know, so you yeah. see me like my normal tired is just the hiker hobble. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. kind of stayed under the radar. Yeah.
0: Okay. So 2021, you get off the trail at Clingmans Dome. Uh, How'd you get home? How'd you get home from there?
1: So it was interesting. I, I'd had the money saved for the trail. I got a ride off of Clingmans Dome from the park rangers. The only reason they did it is because it was like 34 degrees and raining. Yeah. And somebody happened to be available. Otherwise, I was going to have to like sneaky try to hitch down, which they don't like you to do from there. But I wasn't going to make it to Newfound Gap. So I get a ride into Gatlinburg. and I'm like, oh, my dream is dead. Like, but I'm not done. I'm not. I can't be finished. Like, this isn't over. And I got I got a hotel in Gatlinburg and I called Lucky and I said, Lucky, how do I get? said can i come back and and hang out for a little bit like i'm not ready to be away from these people and i needed somewhere to be while i figure this out so i actually uh he knew a shuttle driver who had somebody in the area and i actually got a ride from gatlinburg back to such georgia and, and stayed at above the clouds for two weeks wow and then from there you know his wife's in atlanta so he was like, I'm going to go see my wife in two weeks. Like, you work for me for two weeks and I'll take you. You know, I can take you to the train station. You can take a train to the airport. So I took the train to the airport and went and flew out to Arkansas to, to do some work for my, you know, work for stay for my uncle for for a couple of weeks while I looked, looked and found me a job back in Jacksonville.
0: Jacksonville, Florida was for you? From?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's where, well, that's, I'm originally from Michigan, but that's where I'd been living at the time.
0: I ran into Lucky several times when I was working on the the Hiker Trash book. And, um, as we can, you know, as we continue this project as a podcast, I look forward to being able to interview him, you know, on, on, on the podcast as well.
1: Yeah. He's a, he's a really interesting character for sure. (laughs) I love him. So,
0: uh. So you're done. You're off the trail. What's your mindset?
1: Uh, My mindset from, you know, the car ride down to Clemens Dome is this isn't over. I I don't know what it was. You know, I think in all honesty, it was just that the pain of of accepting failure was just too much. And uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't come to terms with it. So I just decided not to you know, my, my way of coping with the, the emotional distress was just to say, well, no, 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 no. I'll just try again. Okay. And I don't think it was really cause I just wanted to try again. Cause I've been having so much fun. Like I wasn't having any fun, <laughs> but, but I, I hated what I felt it said about me to quit. Right. And it didn't feel like me, you know, it didn't feel like this is something that, that, that's that I feel like aligns with my character or or what I want my character to be. So So I decided the next year I'll come back. Okay.
0: Very next year. So what what, did you devise a plan that would, uh, you know, to kind of ensure that success the second time?
1: Well, I I trained a little better. I've been kind of sort of training, not well, uh, before that, and and I found a gym that had some national level, like Olympic style weightlifting competitors, but they had a really good coaching team who would like program all our workouts for us. And so I told the guy what I was doing, and he's like, "Cool, this is the this is what the broad strokes, how you should train for this," and helped me along the way of like doing what I needed to do, and you know from okay, we're just going to focus on strength for two months, three months. And then we're going to do some CrossFit-style stuff to get your strength endurance and your cardio up. And then we're going to put you back on heavy strength training. But it's only going to be two days a week. And all the other days, you're doing cardio. And then it was like, I want you training one day a week and doing cardio all your other days, do this type of cardio these days, this type of cardio these days, and then Saturdays. Like Saturdays for the, for the five weeks before I went to the AT there's no elevation in Jacksonville. So I put my pack on and I, I go to work at my, my golf course grounds crew job on Saturday morning. And I'd get off at 11, you know, by 1130, I'm standing on a bridge somewhere and I'd walk up and down the bridge till six o'clock. Wow. The only hills in Florida are the bridges, Yeah, you know, l- listening to listening. to Exactly. Just listening to podcasts and, you know, trying to do whatever I could to get ready. And I think being, being, Whether or not I was physically ready, that got me mentally ready. Um, And then I just slowed down.
0: Did you ever listen to music from any of the Rocky movies?
1: (laughs) I did not. I listened to a lot
0: of hiking podcasts. This sounds like a Rocky movie plot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think part of it was, you know, the first year sucked so bad. Like I was yeah. mentally prepared to just I, I said I'm gonna get this done because if I fail the second time, that's it. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put my life on hold for another year for another stab at this. Like I may do another hike if I get this one done, but if I can't get this one done, that's it. And so I just in my mind I'm like, this might suck the whole time. I'm gonna do everything I can, but I'm not gonna quit this one. No matter okay. how bad it gets, I'm not gonna quit unless I really break something. You could be, and, like,
0: crawling crawling to the yeah. Katahdin.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you know, and then it didn't suck as bad, which was awesome. So I was really, really mentally prepared for just, like, it's going to be horrible and I'm just going to deal with it. And that made it so much easier when it was just a normal through hike.
0: So mentally, it sounds like you, you were, like, mentally super strong. Uh, how much did that physical – Training help?
1: I think physical training for most people that do a through hike is mainly for injury prevention in the early days. Because nothing's gonna get you in shape to hike 12 hours a day, like hiking 12 hours a day. But you can do things to protect yourself from overuse injuries in the beginning. And that's what gets so many people is you know. And also, and at the same time, I slowed down in 22 a little bit. You know, there were some, I did some stupid stuff. I ended up with tendinitis after the Smokies because I decided to start doing 20s, you know, at the NOC. I was like, let me me run, you know, because I felt like I could. That's that's a little early. And and that's a trap you can get into. So, you know, if you really are slow about it, you can go catch the trail, but like do sixes and then do eights and then do, you know, tens and twos you know if you want to if you want to be able to do you know 8s 10s 12s 15s rather quickly and not injure yourself you're going to need to train really really hard. Yeah. For months leading up to it just to have the resilience.
0: I always try to tell people that when they get into a new sport uh, especially like people will jump into crossfit or something like that or it's like your muscles can grow much faster uh you need to pay attention to your joints and your ligaments and your tendons and things. Yeah, like that. and that
1: and that stuff takes that stuff takes weeks of time. But you can strengthen your tendons by doing like primarily like strength training is really good. You know, he- lifting heavy heavy weight. You know, relatively, and that looks different for everybody. But like lifting heavy can be really good for strengthening your tendons. It doesn't build endurance very well
0: let's get on the trail. So you're, you're 2022, you're on your way. Uh, I mean, you immediately noticed the difference. Uh, any other sh- struggles or did you feel like you got off to a really good start and like, man, this is just, I, I got this.
1: Well, I did really well. And then, like I said, I got some Achilles tendonitis, you know, coming through the Smokies. We were pushing pretty hard. Um, there was a winter storm that came through the Smokies that we were kind of aware of Yeah, Was coming so we wanted to get out And then it turned out to be just awful You know people got stuck up there Were you already in a tramley? I was kind of a I I described myself last year You know I'd say this to people I I love tramleys but I'm the stepchild And that's just how I've always been Where like I, I love a tramley I can come in and Or I'm more like the cousin you know Like you know me you like me I come around I have a good time but I'm never really part of the like the whole, you know, I'm never really an integral piece. And and I think that describes me socially generally. And I think part of it is just like a general unwillingness to like so, uh you know, put my hike put the group before the hike that I wanted to
0: hike. Okay, that's good. You know, I was
1: out there for me. So a lot of times I'd hike away from stuff or or you yeah. know, I I wouldn't really You know, I want my time to myself to just process through what I was going through or, or, you know, somebody go into town for a, a trekking pole repair. And I, I'd be having a day where I'm like, dude, I want to hike today. Like I'll see you down trail and then just, you know, you never see him again.
0: Okay. This is going to seem like a random question, but it's not. Uh, How would you, uh, evaluate your self-esteem high, low, medium?
1: Mm. I am an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't even know what that means.
1: <laughs> uh, so it depends on the day. I think, I think it's better than it used to be, and it's probably way better than it was before the trail. And a lot of times on trail, um, I think I think out an outside observer would describe me as like very confident and competent socially. Um, but I've always been, I'd say, probably on the lower end of self esteem as far as like being a little bit socially anxious um, and and wanting that, uh, that approval. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, in in that point in in my life, I really was just sort of like, I'm going to do me. And I think, you know,
0: it takes a lot, man. It it takes a lot to hike and just say, I'm going to do me. You know, almost everyone I talk to in a tramly, I kind of touch on the idea that, uh, you know, it in a very short amount of time there's an unspoken obligation to like stay together. And at some point, you know, if somebody in the tramley is more outspoken or headstrong, you know, there are people there that have to set aside their wants and needs and desires in order to kind of accommodate
1: the tramley. And I've heard this multiple times and I'm so headstrong that I would just, it would end up being conflict for me. If that was me, I just, you know, I'm not that guy. And, and even being socially sort of, I, I would say socially concerned. Um, I'm very extroverted as, as you found in interacting with me. So I never felt like I needed to have a tram lead to get my social need met. I could just roll into the shelter and like, Hey, look, people, you know, and there's my social need met for the evening. I can you know strike up a conversation because the trail is is like that where you know I can yeah. see somebody I've never met, and we can connect so fast because yeah, I've already got a, a laundry list of similarities between me and you that we don't even need to talk about just based off the fact that you're here
0: right, yeah, I can see how you're you can make friends easily uh it's speaking of we uh we met. At the Trail Days Festival in 2022, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah, I was there doing, uh, I kind of had a booth, but I was really just had my truck parked there and doing photographs and interviews. Remember that? And made a photo of you with a big 8x10 eight, eight by 10 camera.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. And it's funny because that wasn't the one that ended up the, the when I met you I'd seen your setup and I I don't you weren't really taking pictures of anybody but I'd seen your setup and I just came over to bother you because I was like, what's this guy got going on? <laughs> you, know, you were like the middle yeah, of doing I, something <laughs> and I just but that's not the one that ended up in the um in the issue no, that that was the next no. day you grabbed me and you're like hey stand right over there that looks really cool yeah. and took yeah. a and, and took a nice black and white photo.
0: Yeah, that four by five camera I used the second day that I just that really worked out. The the eight mm-hmm. by ten, to be honest with you, they just didn't look that great. Uh, right, you know, trying to use a flash and also, uh, that the film holder on that had a leak, had a light leak. Ooh. Um, so the top of your forehead, you know, was messed up, and I was like, damn it. But the other ones were so good. I mean, I just like was so happy with that, but. It worked out. Um
1: Yeah, I get a lot of comments when I show people the issue. They're like, "Oh, you look so good in that picture, dude." Like, I yeah. know Roddy's a Roddy's a magician. That's
0: some good-looking hiker trash right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. That's an oxymoron.
0: <laughs> so, when <laughs> yeah. I I remember uh some of the people that you were hiking
1: with in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh reality check maybe. Yeah, I, I hiked around her, um, and I hiked with one of her friends. But you know, I'm, I I knew her. Uh, we didn't. I couldn't quite keep up with them. But uh, Zen or Good Zen, Zen? yeah, Zen's a Zen, Good Zen's a good a good friend of mine. Yeah, they were doing some serious miles. Yeah, they were big days, big stays is what they but, called it. You know, they they do a forty, you know, and then take a zero. And I just feel like
0: I can't. Well, I. I, this is kind of a sidebar, I guess, but I met, uh, reality check at deep gap, mm. which is just like, uh, what 70, yeah. 80 miles yeah. in, uh, driving rainstorm. It was almost dark. I'd been doing trail magic and interviews. She stops for a second and talks and gets under my tarp and eats some candy and, uh, And like, she, I don't know how far she'd gone that day, but, uh, she kind of looked at her watch and, you know, at deep gap, the shelter is just like 0.9 away. And that's where most people go. She's like, well, I think I got another 14 miles in me today. (laughs) And I was like,
1: what? Yeah. Well, because for her, that's like three hours.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I saw her again at, uh, at trail days as well, but, um, yeah, she yeah. was doing some serious miles right from the beginning.
1: Yeah, and I knew that whole family. I, I hiked around them. Uh, actually, met up with Zen. I met Zen getting a ride into Trail Days, and, and they were in town at the same time. And I became good friends with the Didgeridoo, who's in her trail, fam- or you know, was in her trail family for a while before they kind of splintered out. But they were doing forty mile days, like Didgeridoo. I, I met, I ran into him again at. Uh, deepwater gap, Pennsylvania. And he's like, Hey, you want to do New Jersey in a day with me? Wow. I was like, uh, no, I can't. And he's like, don't say any, you know, he taught me into it and I quit at like 32 miles or something like that. It might've even been like 25. And he, you know, he we, texted me day. he's like, I'm so disappointed. I only did 56. I'm like, you're a maniac.
0: Wow. That's like <laughs> world-class athlete miles.
1: But even with
0: cerebral palsy, you were doing a lot of miles. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's crazy. At some point, did you kind of say, let's just slow down?
1: Um, not really. Uh, and one of the reasons, well, right at the end, I did. And, and one of the reasons was I kept making these commitments to people that wanted to see me. <laughs> you know, so I had to, I had somewhere I had to be and I pushed for it. And then I'd like overshoot it yeah. in
0: trail towns or whatever. You want to yeah, like
1: people? oh, I'm gonna meet up with yeah, I'm gonna meet up with my girlfriend. You know, she's from Pennsylvania. We'll meet up somewhere in Pennsylvania. I gotta be here, and then I end up overshooting it and having to come back, like get a ride somewhere. You know, met up with my dad in, in Manchester, Vermont. So I'm you know pushing for that. And before you know it, it's like you know, <laughs> well, here we go. And then so, I, how long
0: did it take you?
1: Uh, Five and a half months, but that was, you know, okay. I took some, a couple of days to try to do the, the Vermont section of the long trail, the Northern part that didn't work out. Spent nine days in Rutland, had that six days off after the Smokies with the tendonitis, you know, took four days at Shaw's. Like I took a lot of zeros just like in chunks, you know, four days off in Pennsylvania.
0: Was that for fun or rest?
1: <sighs> so the Pennsylvania was for fun. Shaw's was because I just had, I had a flight booked to see my sister and I had time to kill. I had a lot of time to kill. And that's when I slowed down was really in the hundred mile. I just moseyed. Okay. Cause I, I'm, I I only needed like to make my deadline. I only needed to do like seven miles a day. So I just was like, I'll I'll get done a little early and chill. But, um, after the Smokies was, you know, trying to, to rest up the tendonitis and then, uh, the nine days I spent in Rutland was just because I uh, had a really scary, uh, heat, uh, illness episode on the long trail that, that forced me to bail off of that attempt. Oh, I, and I just needed to recover and then, and get a new phone and a new, a bunch of, yeah, it was rough. So I, I
0: I, remember seeing your Instagram post about that.
1: Yeah. I just, I got heat exhaustion. I was dehydrated and, it was not, it was not good. You know, I had the shakes and all that stuff. And, you know, I told my buddy earlier on to like, Hey, why don't you go ahead? And then, you know, I start getting delirious and you know, a couple of people basically saved my life and you came back into to Rutland and was kind of scared to, to hike again. So I, I took some time and worked in the deli and they're running their dishwasher in their kitchen and they just fed me sandwiches nonstop for <laughs> you know eight 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 or nine days, and then visited lucky when he came south through uh Killington right before he got off of his uh section hike he did nice and then you know moved on, but that one was you know that one was for other health. than that like
0: uh w- what did you struggle with on the trail? sounds like physically you were doing good or were you i mean did you what was your biggest struggles.
1: I had some I had some knee pain. Knee pain in my left knee was probably the biggest issue. That sucked. Um I had some mental challenges as far as, you know, loneliness and and, and you know, just anxiety. Uh mal- malnutrition became an issue in Massachusetts. I I remember running into a guy named Onesimus. He does trail magic. I don't know if you ever ran mm. into him. He's this his old former army ranger sounds just like Tommy Trump drives around in his Winnebago, giving out ice cream sandwiches and nice cold beer to nice. hikers. He's a really cool guy. I'd been seeing him since like North Carolina. I just kept running into him and he, you know, in Massachusetts, we were sitting down at trail magic. He's like, I need you to eat six cheeseburgers. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, you're too, you're too skinny. And I was like, I know. So, you know, those were kind of the three, the three things, but I, I really did have a good time. Um, you know, if I had to do it over again, I'd have slowed, I'd have slowed down a Did you bit. ever
0: have a point where you, near the end, you realize that it's almost over and maybe you didn't really want it to be over yet?
1: Yeah, that was like the 100-mile the wilderness for, for me. A lot of people were, you know, they left Shaw's and they were really hauling butt to get to the finish. And, and I'd given myself this sort of, like, I had to kill time because I had a flight that was in like 10 days. So it's like, I got so much time. And I, I met back up with a couple of my friends who, you know, if I think about tramlies, like they're probably them and, and, you know, maybe Zen and sonar and, and didgeridoo are the closest thing I had to Tramley. Um, but we went through the hundred mile together at just like this leisurely pace. Okay. And we got the food, we got the food drop, and we packed an extra day of food in the food drop, and took a zero in the middle of the hundred mile at Antlers Campsite. And <laughs> I had the best day of I had the best day of my life. Nice. I mean, like we had a we had a night that was as clear as anything I've ever seen. The lake was glass, and if you looked into the water, it felt like you were gonna fall into the universe. Was how glass mirror that lake was, and how clear the stars were. You know, saw saw the faintest glimpse of the aurora, which is the first time I've ever seen that, and it was like, it felt like to me that like God was saying, "Thank you for slowing down and just enjoying this," because we were just blessed like the whole way, and I had the most fun week of my life. Just that's awesome, taking my time. When did you
0: summit? What was your summit? And day? that's why I wish I. Uh,
1: we summited on August twenty twenty eight. Wow, that's, Which was my friend Hummingbird's birthday. Really? I,
0: I was yeah. still in Georgia. I left Georgia August 28th, uh, you know, <laughs> making my way towards Maine on the back roads with my suburban and my dog. Yeah,
1: I remember watching you doing and that. And you
0: were sending me photos on Instagram of like Mount Katahdin at Aball Bridge and Mount Katahdin at, uh, you know, where you enter Baxter Park at Aball Pond you know, and it was just so beautiful. Yeah.
1: Well, that one, that I, the one that I showed you with the sunset, the sunset yeah. photo or the sunrise photo, that's rainbow Lake dam. Okay. And for anybody that's listening to this, that's going to hike in the hundred mile or is going to hike the AT, you need to camp at rainbow Lake dam. You can camp right on the burn. So that It's, you know, it's like forest road type deal and you will get, the most amazing sunrise of your life with Mount Katahdin in the background oh. it's absolutely stunning i mean it
0: almost brought tears to my eyes cuz i you know had never been and uh i was like man i cannot wait to get
1: there yeah it's the best picture i've ever taken this is the background of my phone i'm like i just did it on a little phone camera but i'm so pr- it just nature was so beautiful it 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 made me a good photographer <laughs> for about 2 seconds <laughs> what was your summit day like <laughs> Oh, it was crazy because I hadn't slept well in a couple of days. So we, uh, as you'll as you'll recall, the bugs yeah. at a ball are insane, especially before it starts to get cold. So we camped out there um, before we were gonna, you know, we were gonna try to get uh, a permit for. For the Birches, which is, you know, if you stay at Katahdin Stream Campground, the Birches is a shelter and the limit is, I think, 10 or 11 hikers. So you have to get to the kiosk and the ranger will put your name on the list. And when the list is full, that's it. And you got to do an extra 10 miles on your, you know, trip to Katahdin. You have to do, you know, unless you can find a spot at the campground, which is nigh on impossible, you know, to book one. Um, you have to do that extra ten miles or whatever on your summit day. And we weren't gonna do that. So we we barely sleep because the bugs are so loud. And then we get to the kiosk at like 4:30 in the morning, because that's what you got to do if you want to be right. first, and spent that that whole period of time getting eaten alive. And when I say there were there were insane amounts of mosquitoes the noise of them outside of my tent was keeping me up because
0: it was that loud. Yeah. They, they destroyed um, me and hut. I sleep, you know, I sleep in my truck and usually sleep with the windows down. Yeah. And,
1: uh, Oh, you got, yeah. Right.
0: And poor hut was just completely covered, you know, in bug bites. And I had, I had yeah. bought a, oh, uh, yeah. like a metal coffee cup at, in Monson. So what I was doing was yeah. I would grab some of that, some lichens and that, crispy moss or grass and I would set it on fire in that cup and I would use that to just smoke them out of the truck.
1: Smudge out of yeah, your I'd truck. I do that yeah. like
0: every 20 minutes. Uh, but, but still oh it was, I, it was bad. And I learned later that uh, like from a local, they said that the bugs were worse where the vegetation is. And I was like, I was, I was huh. camped on the, like the power line just surrounded by, you know, in a thicket and, they said that's why the moose in the summertime will come out into the open to get away from the bugs. Uh, I thought that yeah. was interesting. But um, so you did your summit. So what about like on the on the on the summit? Like you know, you're walking up and your yeah. sign well, comes into
1: view. Well, let me let me just let me just explain the, this level of exhaustion. Right? Be- the, I, the reason I say this is because my friend Hummingbird's birthday was was that day, the twenty eighth. And so we uh, – they, they had had it in their mind, her, my friend Tiga and, and another hiker they'd been hiking with who, who ended up getting ahead of them. They were going to do uh, a hiker trash tequila sunrise at sunrise <laughs> on the summit of Katahdin for her birthday. And so when we got to the birches and we went to sleep, and it was this big old, like, hiker party you know, people sneaking in beers you're not supposed to have and all this stuff till like, 11 o'clock. And we got up at 1.30. Oh, my goodness. To summit for the sunrise. And we got to the summit. Like, it's it was it's sort of in the gloaming as we got up. So there's, like, a false summit before you get to Baxter Peak. Okay. Kind of come up onto this plateau. And that was at, like, 5. And it's sort of twilight. And we made it up to the sign and had our moment. And then it's windy and cold. So we took behind this rock and sat there and just watched the sun come up and we stayed there for like three and a half hours. That must be amazing. And, you know, Tiga, Tiga and Hummingbird had their tequila. And, you know, I had a, you know, my first cup of coffee since I'd got on trail, I hadn't done coffee cause I didn't want the withdrawals, <laughs> you know? And so we're sitting there all happy and, and just like, I'm crying, I, you know? Oh, <sighs> It was it was awesome, but it was cool doing that 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 trek up in the dark because it, it's not as scary when you look down and you just see black and you don't really know how far up right. you are.
0: <laughs> so, man, what a what an accomplishment! It, it, did you like in that moment? Were you like, man, look what I did, or did it even did it hit you later?
1: Well, I think I, I spoke to this in, in the book Hiker Trash. So, if you're listening to this. I don't know, Ronnie, you, you may get some demand. You may have to run a second print, but try to get your hands on this book. Um, one of the things that I think I would referenced to you and it might not ended up in the book, but I I felt so humbled by everything that had ever been done for me. Um, you know, I thought when I, when I set out to hike the trail that I was going to feel like a badass, and that was part of the motivation was, you know, I had low self-esteem and I didn't, I felt like a bit of a loser. And I thought, well, if I do this, no matter what happens in the rest of my life, I can hold my head up because I'll be an Appalachian Trail thru-hiker. And even if the rest of my life goes as bad as I worry that it might in my worst days, I can still have this thing. And, well, I think part of that is true, that that no one can ever take it away from me. The feeling wasn't like, look what I did. You know, I looked at my friends and I said, we did it. And that was the only thing I could say. And I just. cried just tears of ecstasy and then the whole rest of the time from that moment uh, all I could think about was how grateful I was for everybody that helped me along the way for the the you know former you know army corpsman who quite literally probably saved my life you know in Vermont for the the people that had, had given me rides in the place I'd gotten heat strokes three times people gave me rides to towns and for people that gave me water or helped me fix things or 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 gave me a you know gave me a soda on a particularly bad day you know for everybody that helped me I just felt this immense sense of gratitude and it felt more it felt more like a privilege than an accomplishment nice. I like that so I feel like I had the I had the privilege of hiking the Appalachian trail, you know, and I do feel cool. It feels good with, for the ego to be like, ah, I hiked the AT. and feel like, Oh, you're a badass. <clears throat> it feels good to have that approval, but really deep down, it feels like I was given something. And, and at the same time, a deep sense of gratitude for the therapy I had as a four-year-old, because I'm not supposed to hike. right? But people made sacrifices for me and, and, and you know, financial sacrifices and time sacrifices and, poured their effort into me so that I could go and do something like the Appalachian trail. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty incredible feeling of gratitude. So
0: what about after the trail, like transitioning back to the real world? Was that, you know, some Ow. people talk about post trail depression or kind of culture shock or, or whatever, like how, you know,
1: what was that it's, like for you? It's, um, it's grief, you know? Okay. And you know, people talk about post-trail depression, and I think there's there's something to be said for that, but it felt to me like
0: grief. Grief for, for not um, being on the trail? And, and, and,
1: and uh, I felt like I was mourning myself, and I'll explain that. Um, there's a saying, and I, I hadn't heard it on the trail, but uh, a, a triple-crowner that I work with says, there's no you or you than the you that you are when you're on the trail (laughs) okay and that's a lot of words but i like it you know when you when you meet folks that are hiker trash there's an authenticity and a freedom and yeah sometimes we act like children but it's because we're not feeling restrained by the expectations of society we're doing the we're doing the dance or we're crying or we're screaming or we're you know embracing each other we're we're we've been so stripped down of society's expectations for acceptable behavior by the stress that we're undergoing. We've been stripped of the ability to compare ourselves to other people because I don't care how much money you have or don't have. You've got a backpack and a sleeping bag and a pair of shoes and probably two water bottles and a bag, you know, like just like I do, you probably have the same stuff that I do. So I can't have that comparison with you. And and then you know, and we're all playing the same game and and, and and nobody really I mean and we all, you know, hike your own hike. Sometimes people get snooty about that, but you know, hike your own hike, do you it's accepted. And then you come back into the front country, into the so called real world, which to me is uh is founded on mainly illusions and and, and sort of false pretenses, but you come into this world that no longer aligns with your priorities. Do you think um, You've, you found out who you really are and what really matters. And now you're playing a game that, that doesn't care about any of that.
0: Did you struggle to be able to communicate that experience to people back home
1: that like
0: had not had that experience?
1: Yeah. It was incredibly difficult. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, you say post-trail depression and they don't really understand. Like, like I was sitting at home missing sidetrack like I like sidetrack had died right. you know and here's jake on the couch and god man i miss sidetrack like that that guy was everything that was best in me and i i've only recently been able to articulate it as such and i think it makes more sense but like i said to my girlfriend one time I said i said i've got you know post-trail depression and she's like you're she asked me what's wrong i'm like it's, it's post-trail depression and she said still and it was, you know, two or three months after the trail, and that to me was telling of like, okay, most people just like, how can how could she understand? You know, I wasn't mad at her. Like, there's no way she could understand what it feels like to, do what I've mm-hmm. done. You know, to to how much it reorders your priorities, right. how much it changes your value system, right. and that's the important piece that a lot of people don't understand. It's like, oh, you just missed the woods. No. My values are different. I am forever changed. What I care about is completely different. And now I'm living in a world that prioritizes things that I think are are silly, trivial, or you know, j- just just downright backwards. You know, and, and that's and it's difficult because you're you're suddenly maladapted to the w- world that you live in. You're not built to to thrive on. Like, how am I supposed to go and chase a buck? Yeah, how am I supposed to go and chase? How am I supposed to go and chase the dollar? I, I can't do that because
0: I feel you, man. One of the one of the I can't uh, do
1: that because I've been broken. One
0: of the curiosities I have and motivations for this project is to kind of the, explore the idea or or explore the question: Is does a, an experience like this change you, or does it simply provide the context to reveal? who you already are. What are your thoughts on that? I
1: I think, well, I, I think that's a, a difficult question because now you're, you're getting into like, what's my philosophy on self and like personhood. And, and I, I, I feel like both could be true depending on your perspective. I feel like, i feel like i was changed but i also feel like in a certain sense a lot of things that i already felt i was allowed to really truly feel and be so i think it's a combination of both i think i think that there are certain experiences on the trail that you have that you've never had before that that change you because now you have an an experience that provides you a reference point and a belief and then there are certain other experiences like the social experience on the trail where so many i mean a lot of hikers are misfits and weirdos and we don't feel like we belong and then we feel that belonging i don't think that's changing you and making you into this wacky free weirdo <laughs> that we sometimes are on the trail i think that's allowing you to express that so i think it's pieces of both you know i think the i think the challenge re- you know changes you to be more resilient and 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 that but
0: so now like after the trail uh, you've gone through that experience you've you know gone through the adjustment of coming back to the real world, I guess, and maybe not even liking that. But, um, what is that? Uh, does that change like your future decisions of like how you're going to live and what's next? Like, what are you going to do next? Are you going to, you going to go get a insurance job or are you going to go do another epic, you know, crazy adventure?
1: Well, let me, let me hit that in two parts. So it did change things. And, at first I went back and got a job I just needed to make some money. And I got a job at a pool construction company and very quickly was very depressed because I was imagining my life if I played that tape out to the end. And said, Nope, I can't do that and stay alive. So I I found a, a job that aligns more with what I love, which is I uh, I work a job in wilderness therapy. So I get paid to take struggling folks out and show them the beauty of the wilderness. And then I basically am just facilitating their day while they do therapy the rest of the time. Mm. And that's, and that's sort of, you know, a reevaluation of what I want my life to look like. I want a life that involves the outdoors. I have to have it. Um, And, and if I, and I, and I don't think I, I don't think that the time left to me by something like a traditional nine to five would be sufficient to scratch that need. Um, And then as far as future plans, um, one of the things that allows me to work and have a semi-normal life some days is uh, I'm planning something insane uh, as a next hike. And I think we've already talked about this and, and maybe some cool things that we could do together around it, but I'm gonna be hiking what's called the trans European Alpine route and it's 4,000 miles. (laughs) Oh, we're not going to do a little bit more. We're just going to double it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's from the, from the Atlantic coast of Spain to the black sea coast in Bulgaria. Holy! And I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing that to fundraise for, uh, for cerebral palsy research. And my my goal right now is to hike 4,000 miles to, uh, to raise forty thousand dollars for um, research that's going to help people like me to to be able to chase their crazy dreams the way that I. Okay, have. so go back a little bit. So that that's what's next. What's the name of that trail? It's called the Trans European Alpine I Route. Even heard of it? And it connects. It's it's brand new. It, it, I think it was developed in twenty eighteen.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: but it's it it it's a route. So what it does is it connects multiple long distance trails and and some shorter mid distance trails across Europe. So it starts out on on a Camino. Okay. And so it does two two Caminos, the High Route Pyrenees, a bunch of the GR routes through Spain, the Via Alpina through the Alps, the Via Dinarica through the Balkan states, and then I think it's called the Com Amin which goes through Bulgaria and that's another long distance trail. So it, it connects a bunch of already existing trail systems into one behemoth of a
0: with some with some like, road walks in between to connect them and such
1: R- road walks, smaller trails, you know, kind of thing. It, it, you know, it's routes are a little different than trails in that. It's kind of, you can fudge it a little yeah. bit. And like, I may decide that, I want to do a road walk or I'm going to decide I want to do a bushwhack okay. here, and it's totally okay. Um, you know, it's not one big coordinated, maintained thing. It's just sort of something some guy thought of and then did, and then one other, and then one other guy did it, and then I said that sounds pretty cool, and so I'm going to. You know do how it. many
0: people have done it?
1: Two. two? To my knowledge, so two. you'll
0: be number three. How'd you even come up with this? This is crazy.
1: It, it's funny because I was talking to my buddy, we were going to do a CDT uh starting in July this year, being uh, a bunch of my friends. And then people started dropping out, but uh, we were going to do that. And then my one friend, Batona, uh, he, he was doing research and I said, I want to do these international trails. We're talking about like our bucket list of, of hikes, And I said, I'd love to get out of America at some point and do some international stuff and told them some of the things I was looking at. And he was like, oh, we could do the via Alpina, that'd be cool. And then like one night, it was like one o'clock in the morning. I get this message on Instagram. It's like, dude, look at this. And it was he'd found the website for the T E A R, which is that, that route. And he was like, look at this, dude. And I was like, Cool, let's do that in 25 after the CDT. And then I thought, no, like, let's just do the main thing first. Um and then, you know, started planning it. We were gonna do it together and, and he's just not feeling like he's confident in his financial situation. So now it's me, but but I've I've brought on a a uh, nonprofit partner to to sort of make it into something that's not only a crazy awesome through hike, but for a really, really good cause.
0: Are they gonna help finance it for you?
1: Um no they're sort of just the vehicle for for which that i can fundraise it's it's called cerebral palsy alliance research foundation uh shorthand is cparf because that's a lot of words but cparf is basically what they do is they fund research for early detection which i'm a huge proponent of because the earlier you can detect the earlier you can intervene and the better the outcome is and then they're also funding uh like technology. So I'm getting an opportunity to work with a company that does like exoskeletons. They're going to put me in like a little robot leg suit in December. And we're going to do some cool stuff with that. Whoa. Um, and they work with chronic pain. So there's a lot of really cool things that are happening. And, you know, I'm really passionate about. Will you
0: potentially hike the trail with like an exoskeleton? Or is that just going to be like
1: a so, test? It'll be like a training tool. So the, the company that I'm working with is called biomodem and they have the ability to like, it can help you, but it can also make things harder in certain ways. So it's almost going to be like a training tool and then I'll have the device and, and, and I can use it and I'm going to sort of test it for them and put it through, okay. you know, so maybe I'll take it out on a hike and be like, cool, I'm going to go to the lights with this and I'm going to have it help me get up to Francona okay. Ridge but taking it on a 4000 mile uh, hike with how much it weighs if it runs out of battery like I don't want to carry mm. it you know so so it's 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 not going to come with so me So the but, hike
0: itself you um, you are financing on your own
1: As of right now um I'm open to corporate partnerships um and I'm explore- I'm actively exploring seeing if I can get some some help with with my budget side of things but I do feel like I'm in a position right now financially where I can afford it. And um, What's it going to cost? Probably my estimate currently is $12,000. Okay. Which is, you know, it's a lot, but, but I think it can be done for that. Um, You know, and then my, my hope is that, you know, anybody who wants to help instead of asking them to give me money, I I just, I just say, Hey, why don't, why don't we put this to use? Um. You know, so that so that other people just like me can, can have the opportunity to do this. And it doesn't have to be like, wow, you're, you have cerebral palsy. I can't believe you can do X. I'd love to live in a world where it was just like, oh, wow, you have cerebral palsy. Like glad the stuff we have works.
0: So part of this will be you doing promotional stuff and marketing and like asking for pledges and things like that along the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've got, you know, a little over, I haven't booked my flight yet, but I've got about a hundred days, um, until I'll be, be starting. So I've, I've got some time in the meantime to try to get some corporate partners and get some people, but we've already raised over a thousand dollars just by crowdfunding.
0: How long do you think it will take to complete the trail?
1: Um, uh, my estimate right now is eight months. I'd like to do it in seven. Cause if I do it in seven, I can finish on uh, October 6th, which is World Cerebral Palsy Day. Okay. But probably eight months. There's weird, like, visa stuff. I've got to spend, like, 90 days outside of Europe after my 90 days, or outside of the Shenzhen, which is a treaty within Europe. So I have to, I'll spend 90 days in, like, Spain and France, and then I've got to go spend 90 days in the Balkans. So, you know, I'll go as fast as I can in the beginning and have to slow down. And you know, so that affects the timeline a little bit. But my estimate's probably, probably eight months. Hopefully, seven.
0: Well, wow, you've really kicked it up a notch. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> that's aw- that's awesome, a- man. I love it. So let's let's kind of wrap it up with this. Like, what advice would you give the people out there who aspire to do something like this? Appalachian trail or any other long trail that maybe don't have like a vast history of outdoor or backpacking experience? What, what would you tell people?
1: I mean, you, you pack your, if you don't have a lot of experience, you pack your fears. Um, so I think most people just be, be very open to the idea of shedding weight early on because you're going to find out real quick what you don't need. And I'd also say, don't, don't hurry. Um, You know, you don't have to, you don't have to crush miles in the beginning. Don't hurry. Take your time. You know, you'll, you'll get, you'll get to where you can do those long days and you'll want to just for fun to see what you can do. But, you know, don't, don't hurry. Don't, and don't put yourself on a timeline to do the hype. Um, okay. you know, and that, that sometimes requires a stretch, you know, if you're a professional and you've got obligations, but give yourself time, more time than you think it'll take. Give yourself an extra month than you think it'll take. And then right. give yourself an extra month to be a, a, a grieving human being when you finish on the back end. Mm. So you don't feel thrown back into to the quote unquote real world.
0: That's good advice. And maybe like some extra money to transition
1: back. Oh yeah. Yeah. And definitely budget, budget more than you think you would, you would need to don't, don't just budget for the hike. You have to budget for, for your expenses afterwards as well.
0: Yeah. I think that transition back, man, is something that people don't, don't see on the front end. I did not myself and yeah. Um, yeah. it's, it's real. Uh But you know, that's Ooh. what like this, things like this are for. Is so people mm-hmm. can like uh hear you know real experiences and um yeah hopefully form well, some I, authentic or real expectations.
1: And can I say this? Cause I know we're wrapping up, but this is just on my heart. Uh if you're going through post trail depression, if you if you just hiked the AT or maybe you hiked in 22 with me, or maybe you hiked in 21 or whatever. If you're going through it, especially those folks that just finished, stay connected to your community because it may look like their life is great and you might talk to them and they might say they're good and you may think you're the only one that's dealing with this. You're not. So reach out to your community. Stay connected. If you don't have anybody to talk to, I just gave Ronnie the Instagram. Send me a DM. I'll talk to you. But stay connected to your people. You know, because because everybody's going through it together and and it may be difficult to do, but it's way more difficult to do alone.
0: Thank you, Jake. Sidetrack. So you can find him on Instagram at Sidetrack Hiker. And so on his bio, we'll have links to, um, you know, this next massive epic adventure, raising money for cerebral palsy and doing a 4,000 mile trail. Um, dude, I, I just appreciate it. I'm glad I met you when I met you and I'm glad we've stayed in touch. Appreciate what you bring to the table, the world table and uh, the hiker trash table. And I uh, wish you the best of luck.
1: You too, Ronnie. Can't wait to see what's next, brother.
0: Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll wrap it up here, and uh, I will be following you on Instagram, and you always have my DMs. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us today on the Hiker Trash Podcast. If you'd like to support this project, you can go buy a coffee table book or a fine art print. You can do it at our website, localexposuremagazine.com. You can show some love to scott low he provided the music for today's episode you can find him on instagram at scott low songs hey if you enjoy this tell someone send them a text make a post talk about it and stay tuned for the next episode thank you